0: back everybody to the Penn State football podcast. This is your host Donnie Collins with your other host Sam Freeman. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Just great. It's one of those weeks and I think we're in the hitting into this stretch where there's not a lot going on with with Penn State football from a from a news perspective and I think that's probably a good thing for the program, I guess. <laughs> but, but you also have spring practice coming up. It's going to be here before you know it. It's probably six weeks away from really becoming a hot topic. And and the one thing that does happen this time of year, Sam, is, is, as you know, is the, the roster gets updated and the, the early enrollees are on the list. And, you know, it used to be many, many years ago now, probably... <laughs> probably not many years ago I shouldn't say that probably five six seven years ago where if you had a handful of early enrollees that was a pretty good number but now I think they have 16 and that seems like a huge number until you consider that if if you want to play in your first year it's certainly not impossible to join the program in the summer and and contribute on the field in the fall Abdul Carter did it so there there is a, a good recent example of somebody who didn't enroll in in January and made an immediate impact but but you would think of the players who are going to make impacts as true freshmen this fall for Penn State they're mostly on the roster right now getting ready for spring practice and there's 16 of them and I'll, and I'll 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 go over them they're, they're all members of the the recruiting class of course you know Liam Andrews defensive lineman out of out of Massachusetts Antoine Belgrave shorter defensive back out of out of Jacksonville massive lineman Egan Boyer uh, Josiah Brown, a receiver, DeAndre Cook, defensive lineman, Cooper Cousins, the the, the top line prospect out of Erie, T.A. Cunningham, uh, defensive lineman from, from Georgia, uh, the list goes on, Ethan Gronkemeyer's on campus, Jalen Harvey, pretty good defensive line prospect, Kari Jackson, the linebacker, Quinton Martin, top prospect in Pennsylvania, the running back, John Mitchell, Luke Reynolds, tight end, Mitchell's a, Mitchell's a cornerback, Garrett Sexton, Former quarterback in high school, big offensive lineman, and and Vab Teray, the, the defensive back uh, out of, out of Jersey. So that's that's the list. And Sam, I I know you follow it closely. What do you view as as the the one or two guys here, three or four, whatever number you have that that you're looking at this and thinking a, a, a nice spring here, and they're going to be okay moving forward, and and, and probably one of those guys who are who are green lighted right off the start. Well, I think. When it comes to playing early as an early enrollee, it
1: it, it it's not always about the player themselves. As you mentioned, it, at a point you it catches up. You know, if you have sixteen early enrollees every class, at some point some of those guys aren't going to see the field right away. I mean, you know, you you look at, at last season. I feel like Tony Rojas was among the the biggest names of the off season, and of course he 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 doesn't see the field as much as maybe people people thought after seeing the way Abdul Carter came in. And it's not an indictment on Tony Rojas. It's just because the defense was in a place where it didn't need to put true freshmen out on the field necessarily. So that's, that's sort of the first thing that I look at before I answer this question Be, because you know, who knows Cooper cousins was, was a, a highly touted recruit, but you know, is he going to see the field right away? I, I'm i not super sure. I mean, we talked about the offensive line a week or two ago, with with just how deep it is, I I don't see a path for him to to step up, even if he ends up being the best player in this class. For as just as an example, I I think that Jalen Harvey has the the best path to playing as an edge rusher, a highly touted edge rusher. You know, the, Penn State's losing Adisa Isaac, they're losing Chop Robinson. That's not to say they don't have guys in that room with Deny Dennis Sutton and, and all them, but I just think that. If Jalen has a has a good camp, has a good offseason, Penn State has shown that they like getting young defensive linemen in the game contingent on them deserving the playing time. But I don't think that the the edge rusher room is as deep as it has been in years past. And I, I don't know that it's as as comfortable as it has been in years past. It's not a knock on the guys in that room right now. It's
0: just a function of having two guys leave for the NFL. If you're going to place a bet. And now that's legal so if you're gonna place a bet and say which one of these guys is definitely gonna play early I would I would probably put the money on Harvey because he's at a position where number one freshman play there are certain spots where you have a a chance to get out there and 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 show what you're what you're about and the other two guys I I really like here are the are the cornerbacks Belgrave Shorter couple of guys ranked him as a as a three star guy and I don't see that i I think he's a heck of a player number one played in a in Florida played some great competition played out you know out of jacksonville. I think he's the guy who could come in bigger guy they list him at six foot one eighty five which is a pretty good size and that's the other thing you got to look for if, if if you're seeing a guy who's one sixty five obviously they're going to try to put some weight on him and th- and that might not happen real quick for a you know for, for an incoming freshman but belgrave shorter is a bigger guy and, and the same thing with the other cornerback in, in the class who is john mitchell out of the same high school ironically is as is, is belgrave shorter so so I, I think those two guys both look to me like guys who can come in and compete and i'm not saying i think it's hard to predict someone coming in as a starter it i i think that's yeah. that's kind of foolish in a way because you know does it happen yeah sure it it happens I mean Abdul Carter could have been a starter his first year nobody would have batted an eye it would have made sense but there aren't too many Abdul Carters out there so I I don't want to say like you you got those two guys coming in as potential starters when they've brought in a couple of guys off the transfer portal where you have Cam Miller where you have a couple of guys you really like in the freshman class last year and Elliot Washington and Zion Tracy but can I see those two guys playing as much as Tracy and Washington did? Yes, I, I could I could see them kind of cracking the lineup in, in in that way. But the guy I really am intrigued by here, and you mentioned him, is Cooper Cousins, because I do kind of see a path for him. Certainly, if, if he doesn't play a down, I won't be surprised, because it's number one, very difficult to play on the offensive line as a, as a true freshman. It it just doesn't happen. You know, you you look back at the history of Penn state's great offensive linemen and very few of them played as as freshmen. And, and, and the ones who did, the ones who came in as highly touted guys and played immediately didn't excel. So I, I think offensive linemen need that, that development period, but cousins is interesting to me because number one is size. He's, He's he's massive. I mean, he just you watch him on film. It is. He's one of those guys where if you watch his high school film, you could tell which one he is without the little arrow they put in there. I mean, he's just the biggest guy and he's knocking everybody around. I, I think he's what do you, they list him at 320 pounds. He's six foot six. But what I like about him and where I think the potential lies here, Sam, is, is that he's a center. Uh, you know, could they certainly like, certainly if they want to put him a tackle and, and give him a shot there, they could they could do it and see where it goes and i don't i wouldn't blame them he's big enough to play tackle but he's killing it uh, at the all-american game he's been all over the scouts radars and and i think at, at that particular position where you're looking at may, may, maybe moving an offensive guard to center or maybe playing nick dawkins who's in his graduate season there, there's a case to be made that cousins is definitely your most talented guy there and he's physically ready so so why not give him a shot now? I think center is tough because you have to know systems, you have to be able to pick things up. But but if he can do it and, and call out defenses and and call out the schemes and, and and know what's coming, I I think he's he's a guy who maybe in in most years you wouldn't look at the offensive line at all as as somebody who could play immediately. Olu didn't play immediately, but I, I think the guy has a shot. To say that it kind of speaks to you know what I think of him as a as a prospect. I think he's very good.
1: I think you're absolutely right Um, on, on, on the on his ceiling, right, or his potentially lack thereof. I mean, you can uh, you can move a lot of these guys around potentially, especially as they're young. It's funny you bring up looking at his old high school tape and, and being able to tell which one he is. I guess I guess it was last year I went and saw Alex Birchmeyer play in high school and he was playing against Anthony Donka. And Donka played on both the offensive and defensive line. Um, at his high school. And it was funny to see them line up against each other or, or sometimes line up on opposite sides of the line, you know, Birch at, at left tackle and, and Donka over the right tackle. Um, and just seeing the size difference. I took a video of, 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 I think it was an inside the five run play and it's just Birchmeyer driving his defender, outside the back of the end zone and donka just crushing two offensive linemen at the same time it's amazing the size difference to some of these kids in high school and you can just tell they're going to be
0: d1 players at some point uh, that that was a, a a trick that i was an old coach taught me uh years ago said <laughs> these recruiting videos are ridiculous because they tell you who the player is you should be able to tell which one the best <laughs> one is and i remember it was you would remember demarco murray obviously yeah. There was 10 minutes of DeMarco Murray scoring touchdowns where nobody touched him. You know, and the second best film I ever saw was Micah's because it was all Micah scoring touchdowns and forcing fumbles. But Micah would look for contact. Mur- Murray, would ju- you couldn't touch him. He, he, he's, he's, he's getting a carry right into the middle of the line and they still somehow whiff on the guy. So, so it's like, oh yeah, okay, that's the guy. That's the guy they're all looking at. But yeah, I, I see that with Cousins. You bring up Birchmeyer. That's another great example Last February, I would have told you Birchmeyer would play immediately. And, and Birchmeyer never, saw, number, number one, never saw the field. And number two, never got mentioned. Donka played in the Peach Bowl, played pretty well in the second half. Jim Ono has gotten mentioned, some mentions, and, and obviously Javen Williams, uh, number one, being a Pennsylvania guy and being, and being one of the top prospects in the country. So he got talked about a lot, but it was weird that Birchmeyer never really got talked about all that much. And I'm not saying that has anything to do with what the coaching staff thinks of him or, or how he played or whatever. It's just sometimes, you know, those guys come in with all this fanfare and then they get kind of forgotten about as they are developing. And it, it is interesting because we're having this discussion and that's a guy who I would have told you last year, I would said the same things about him that I, that I'm saying about Cooper cousins right now, because they both look very ready to play. And, and that's a guy who never really made an impact first year out. And and, and that's not surprising. Well, and that's, and that's where I'm at with, with
1: cousins is it's no, like I said, it's no indictment on on Cousins or his future or anything like that. I just with I, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think J Van Birchmeyer and Donka were all early enrollees last year. Yes, but you know, obviously they they they're they're behind Olu and they're behind Caden Wallace and Hunter Norzad and you know just just established guys. And I I was in the same boat as you. I, I assumed we would see. I mean, we saw J Van a little bit. I guess we saw Donka too, but. You know, I, I, I would have said Birchmeyer would have seen the field, um, especially on the interior. But for whatever reason, he just didn't. And again, I, I still think that there's time for all three of those guys to blossom into stalwart pieces of that offensive line. It's, it's just they didn't in their first year. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with Cousins is, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where they put him. I'm excited to see, you know, what, what he's able to accomplish. I just don't know when that process is going to publicly start. I'm sure that the ball is already rolling <laughs> behind the scenes, but you know, in terms of what we're going to be able to see, I'm I'm interested to see when that timeline actually begins.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see where Cousins ends up starting out. I, I remember Connor McGovern a couple of another guy that Sam would know is from the Cowboys. More than <laughs> Connor McGovern's out of out of uh, Lake Lehman, and he he comes into to Penn State as a. It's kind of like a small school prospect in in Pennsylvania, but highly regarded and I remember they started him out of tackle. McGovern was a center in high school, I believe who got kicked out to tackle first year and then ended ended up settling at guard had a had a pretty nice career for for penn state but but i i I think that they kind of look at it as get these guys some experience everywhere. number one, you can see where they fit best, and number two, you get them to be a little bit more well-rounded that way, and I and I think that helped a guy like Connor McGovern. But you know, you look at the rest of the the recruiting class here, and, and especially the guys who are were who early enrolled here for, for Penn State on the offensive line, and some of them. This is why I think they're going to start Cousins out inside. Now, I it's six, six, 320, You could start him wherever you want. I mean, he's he's <laughs> going to look like he belongs there. But you, you these other guys here, yeah, you know, they're starting this little bit. And, and I thought of this because they got a. A recruit in the in the twenty twenty five class, I think it was, was a six foot eight tackle. The guys in this class, Egan Boyer, six foot eight. He he was on a lot of people's radars. Uh, you had Sexton. He started his career as a quarterback, big big quarterback. He was six foot six. He's only two. He's two sixty. He's about sixty pounds. Bunch of bunch of cheeseburgers shy of what Cooper Cousins is. But I am sure <laughs> they look at him as an athletic uh, tackle. Cousins, I I I, I just. I look at him and I see interior and, and some guys it's like that. It, it just is, is that way. And that's not a knock. I think you need interior offensive linemen and I, but not all of those guys could, could kick out and play tackle too. So, so I think when you look at what he is and what he could become, I, I think it could be anything, but I think they're going to be okay at tackle this year. I, I, I don't know if they need to throw him out there. And if they do, they're not playing it he's just going to be out there to, to get some experience and, and 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 things like that and, and learn another position get more versatile because why wouldn't you start a guy at center if you thought somebody who can contribute early i i think they like moving guys from the outside in but I, I still think center this year I mean I, I think that's the easiest spot on the offensive line to kind of come in out of nowhere and and start at and you know I i think they're going to be okay there I think they'll move one of the guards inside, or they'll go with Dawkins. I think that's probably the 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 house's money right now is on Dawkins just taking that job. He's a pretty good player, so I, it would make some sense. And he's got the the, the experience in the position. So yeah, I, I think that's a that's an interesting guy to look at as as far as as where they start him out. Do you have a sleeper in this in this group? I, 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 there's a couple of guys I think aren't getting enough attention. I guess is the word, and and it's tough to get attention when nobody's talked to you and, and nobody. But but uh, yeah, I, I I I certainly you you look at Penn State, sir, and, and and I think it's a good thing that these guys come in not having to win starting jobs. It wasn't like that a couple of years ago. I mean, you think back. I don't know if you remember in, in 2004, Penn State was was brutal. They had a really really bad football team. And they went they went out and got Derek Williams and Justin King. Both were five-star players. They had to work out. There was no development. If, if Penn State was going to ever be good, they needed to go out there and and, and play well, and and they did. I, I don't think that's the case at all. And I think it's a really good thing for Penn State where, where you, could, you could bring these guys in, get them started on their development, and not have to play them. I don't think there's one position on the field where you're looking at a freshman to come in and be an immediate role player. And I'm sure they're all told they're going to be, but I don't know that... <laughs> They need them to be, and I think that's uh, that's a credit to, to the way the roster is built but I, there's a couple of guys out there I think uh, have a have a real shot to be to be pretty good prospects down the road and and, and the, the first one i i I think of is, is liam andrews he's six foot four two hundred two hundred sixty pounds you mentioned Harvey, but I think Andrews has a lot of potential. He might end up out inside but i I think you could start him outside and and he he 's got a lot of tools to me i he, he's, he'd be my my sleeper in this group to, to, to get out there and, and get some playing time. But, but do you have one? Is there somebody you like that, uh, that doesn't seem like other people are talking about? Well, Liam Andrews is a good one.
1: He's actually, I think he's bigger than Jalen, right? I mean, is, I yeah. know the size isn't necessarily everything, but you know, six four, two sixty, at a true freshman is a little bit absurd. I, I don't know. I It's always tough to say a running back is, uh, slept on or, or, or not talked about given, you know, how many touches a player is going to get. But I, I do think Quentin Martin has a, you know, something of a shot to potentially, uh, break onto the field. I, you know, I'm certainly not going to stake my flag and stand by it, but you know, he, he, he's what, six one one ninety one eighty five something like that. Um, you know, they, they Penn State's losing Trey Potts. They like to have that third running back in the mix. They showed that early in uh, Nick and Catron's career with with rotating Devin Ford and Kevon Lee in. Um, they showed it this year with rotating Trey Potts in. And and I think that that, that running back room is is sort of unproven uh, behind them. Of course, I mean, you, you you have a London Montgomery, the the local kid, but he's he's coming off uh, I think an ACL tear,
0: if I'm not mistaken. Um, he tore his ACL you know. in 2022 in August th- that's that been a long time ago now and, and yeah I, I thought between us and all the podcast listeners here I thought I thought London after last season he could be a transfer portal candidate because the the road was blocked there and then Potts leaves and now hey why not why not give it a shot see see where you got it if you could beat Cam Wallace out yeah and, th- and then you have the the, the two incoming freshmen, but only one of them's on campus. So I think I think there's a big spring for for London Montgomery. But but you, you know, more to the point of the conversation, Quentin Martin. To me, and I don't know what their view is of him, but he looks like a receiver to me too. The last time I checked, and this was it was it was a couple of days ago, but the last time I checked, Penn State's receiving core was disappointing last year. Now I don't know if anything's changed in the last couple of days with that, but I but I think. You know, they could use a guy who could come in and give him a little bit of a boost at, at receiver. And and I really like those teams. There's there's guys out there who do it where you, you they're a little bit of a receiver and a little bit of a running back. And I think Martin down the road running back. I, I think that's what they like him at. That's what they that they brought him into play. And with Trey Potts gone, he's going to be right in the mix to, to take that job. But I think you get him on the field more if you could figure out a way to get him going in the passing game. And and he was at at Belvernon; Vernon. They won the state championship. I I kind of like the way Martin fits in versatility-wise on this roster because that's a guy who clearly is a playmaker. And this is an offense that clearly needs playmakers. You're going to play those two running backs probably in the Andy Kotelnicki offense, and I'm talking about Singleton and Catron Allen, on the field at the same time, pretty exclusively, it would seem, because he's done that in the past. You have to find a way to get Quentin Martin on the field. And I don't think running, I don't think receiver is an out of the question way to get him on the field if they're creative enough to use him that way. And I, he's, we're talking about great bets to get on the field. He's a great bet to get on the field, but to what extent, I don't know. But I, I would think he's, he's going to be a boomer bust guy in the playing time wise in, in, in year one where he could play a lot. He really could. He's going to play a little, but he could play a lot.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I mean, one of the positives of bringing in a coordinator like nikki is just his creativity, especially in 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 getting the ball in playmakers hands it, you know, to make a to make a probably sacrilegious comparison. Um, you know, you, you look at like Kyle Shanahan in the NFL. You know, a team with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. You've got wide receiver Debo Samuel in the backfield, George Kittle, and as a tight end, and Christian McCaffrey as a running back out wide in in receiver positions, and you know, just finding creative wa- creative ways to get guys the ball and create mismatches and stuff like that. And 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 a, a Quentin Martin, like you said, as as sort of an undefined uh, tool for for a Kotal Nicky offense, you, you could probably see him wherever, you know, just, just in ways to get him the ball and, or, or on the flip side, you know, might open up other players to get the ball in in unique ways, whether it be Keandre, Katron, Nick, you know, whoever it may be. Um, I hadn't considered that. I think it's a, I I think that's,
0: that's an interesting point. And I think you're right. Yeah, I I don't know if you did this intentionally, but I compared him to D (laughs) ball. I I, think I said, if he can get enough weight on, I compare him to Debo Samuel. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but I, but I think I've, I, I've, I've written that in, in the past. I, it, it, he, he, t- to me, could do both, I, and I, I think he could do both very well. And and, and it would be interesting to see if, if Penn State agrees and, and gets him on the field because there's, you know, we're talking, and I'm going to bring up a guy who is an, maybe the best prospect in the class who might not play. So in, in a second, but we're talking about guys who. Or playing positions that where there's opportunities, and and that's you know when you got to talk about a guy like Cooper Cousins, it's not about the talent, it's about the opportunity. Is the opportunity there? But I I think a guy like Quentin Martin, there's obviously a role at running back. That third spot's open. There's obviously a role at receiver, which you could also play. And that spots that spots open is is there some kind of hybrid for him to to mix into? Now, the other guy I was thinking was is, is tight end Luke Reynolds. He he's the only quote-unquote five-star prospect in the class, I believe. Uh, you look at him on film, he's the second coming of Mike Kosicki. He's a big guy, a su- super athletic, probably doesn't know what he's doing completely yet, but he'll he'll figure it out. He's, he's gotten it quick. Uh, just an ultra-talented all-around guy, uh, looks the part of a tight end. And he's playing a position where there are a, a mile of guys ahead of him waiting for their turn to play, and and guys who waited forever, guy, you know, a guy like Khalil Dinkins, who is probably a, a really fascinating prospect to a lot of people, especially at, at Penn State. I know they're really looking forward to getting him on the field. He's going to play. Obviously, Tyler Warren didn't come back to lose his starting spot to a freshman. <laughs> Raplier was going to want to play. The the, you know, the the kid from from Redding schlaffer. He's going to, he's going to want to get himself in, involved there too. There's, there's a lot of guys who've been on campus, Jerry cross. There's it's just, it's just a, a long line of players at that position. And here you got Reynolds coming in a five-star kid. And I don't think there's any guarantee he plays. And I think it, it it takes a lot of belief in yourself to be that big a prospect where you can go anywhere and maybe start, but come to Penn state where that's a position where they really develop the heck out of guys. Maybe you're not you're gonna to need to buy some time with, with him, hit the weight room and and learn the the intricacies of the game. But I don't know if he's going to come in and just wow everybody with his athleticism and his abilities when there's so many guys in that room who have the same kind of skill set. So I, I think that's a guy who is a really good prospect who might not play a whole ton this year.
1: Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we we talked, I think it was Jerry Cross we talked about recently with his tweet about essentially trusting the process and everything. I I I can't think of a given the track record and given how highly touted Reynolds is, I I don't think there's a better bet in this class of a player who will end up as a a strong contributor and as a potential NFL player other than Luke Reynolds. Just like you said for for all the reasons you said and the fact that you know we may not see him on the field until 2026 just because of how deep that room is and it's not a it's not a shot on him it's just that's that's been their the way that they handle the tight ends and in 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 the age of of instant gratification and and the transfer portal and nil and everything like that i'm i'm very impressed and increasingly so as time goes on that penn state is able to bring in these these top recruits at the tight end position and say hey you have to be okay with sitting for two years because we're going to pump these guys out as first, second, third round picks. And you know, you're, you're, you're not going to see the field. You're not going to get much attention. You're not going to get this. You're not going to get that. But at the end of your career, you'll be playing on Sundays at a, at a premium level. Um, You know, that's a pretty good selling point, but you know, as a, as an 18 year old college freshman, you know, seeing your counterparts and your contemporaries making money and and moving around and stuff like that, I, I I'm just impressed that that is still a sell that it still works. I I, I don't know. It's I, I'm with you. If if I had to pick one player from this class that will, you know, at the end of his career, retire as a as a strongly contributing Nittany lion, it would probably be him.
0: I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but it's it's amazing to me the tight end room at, at Penn State because. They've never lost a kid to the transfer portal. They've they've never brought a kid in from the transfer portal. And yet it's the strongest position on the field (laughs) every year. And Ty Howell's done such a a great job. And, you know, we talk about kids these days, the me generation or whatever it is. And maybe that's true, but it's not true of the Penn State tight ends. The the, the tight end room at Penn State is as selfless a group as, as you ever get. I mean, Theo Johnson started one year. You're you're gonna look back on Theo Johnson's career and think, oh wow, four great years, and he didn't start. He started one year. He played behind Brenton Strange, who who, who played behind you know Friermuth, who and, and who played behind Gasicki, and it's a it's a long line of of the right person to do that job and and to understand what the what the point there is. And Dinkins is probably the the next in line because I mean I'm I'm excited to see Khalil Dinkins play. I I think he's going to be outstanding Sam while we're we're talking about this and and we'll take this one into the break 16 as I said 16 or 16 high school students I guess these these kids are all should be in high school gave up their last four months five months in high school to enroll in college early you missed the prom you missed your spring sports season you miss just the last really five carefree months of your life honestly would you do it would you enroll early I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame anybody for saying no I know coaches pretty much these days, I don't want to say they demand it, but I think they expect it if you want to play soon. I, I know they don't hold it against guys or they try not to, but you miss a lot. You're missing seven months of development. I don't know. I don't know if I'd give up those five months for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they all look at it as a career now, and and maybe I'm too old to think of it as you know just as a game, but I I, I think that's something that when somebody says, and hey, what was the last carefree time of your life? I'd say that I'd say my spring semester of high school. Senior uh, year.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, I, I I don't know that I would. I mean, that calculus might change if, you know, I, I had the, the projectable future of potentially being a, a draft pick just because that, that seems like the best way to do it. So I guess if that's my goal and I've
0: identified that at a young age, maybe, but I I can see why Luke Reynolds does it. I can see why Cooper cousins does it and and no offense to anybody else, but not all of these guys are likely NFL prospects. It's just the numbers don't bear that out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, but, but I also wonder too. I'm so my brother is a, he's a drummer and he's in, he's a freshman at, at the Berkeley music school in Boston and when he was deciding what to do cuz that was that was pretty much the only college he was interested in it was if i if i don't go there i'm going to just i'm going to move to boston i'm going to be a drummer one way or another <laughs> so you know that's that's what i'm going to do he ended up deciding to graduate early and enroll at berkeley early and that was something that my parents were unsure about you know not not against but not fully all in on because it's it's atypical of of a you know pretty much a non football player frankly um and that was sort of the way that that i had them look at it is there there's nothing much for him remaining in high school he's 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 focused on on this this one goal music is is not necessarily an easy industry to break into either with when you look at the numbers and you know similar to being a an nfl player or even a high a high level college football player the odds are not in your favor but but if you've identified that as something as, as as your your main focus you know not not maybe not your sole goal, but you know the the main thing you care about that's what you wanna do then you know I get it to some degree high school wasn't his his favorite thing it wasn't his his vibe, so you know he 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 left early and to him it was more it was more of a carefree thing to go and and study music up in Boston than it was to to focus on on history and english the way that <laughs> the way that I liked it to at at that age so you know, I, 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 it's tough. Like you said, if, if, I'm not a, if I'm not a projectable NFL draft pick, I probably don't do it. And, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, a majority of the guys in in high school around the country aren't. So, I mean, I, I would stay, but,
0: you know, people like my brother maybe don't. It's a, a very specialized group of people who would do it. Funny you mention your brother because my son goes to school in Boston, not at Berkeley, but he's taking baseball guitar lessons from a guy who was a Berkeley grad and I, my youngest son is a, he's only 11, but he has mentioned, he wants to go there. That's where he wants to go to school. It's, 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 it's strange that your brother goes there and my son would, <laughs> would like to go, there. but he, he plays several instruments right now. And I would guarantee you right now, he would if presented with the option of graduating early to go to music school in Boston, he is going to do that. So, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, those extra five months of saving up for tuition, For for mom and dad or a or a big deal. We'll we'll continue to earn some more tuition money for the kids after (laughs) after the break here. We'll we'll come back and we'll talk about another one of the favorite subjects of Penn State fans everywhere: how well the Ohio State Buckeyes are doing building their own. Sam, an interesting number I saw. A couple of interesting numbers, I guess, as we start the second segment of the Penn State Football Podcast. And we're going to be talking about Ohio State here because I have some questions about what they've done this year to kind of build their roster. And when I say build their roster, I mean build it the way the Yankees did it in the 90s. With just going out and finding <laughs> every player you can find who has a pulse and letting the chips fall where they may from from there. And Sam, I'm going to tell you one number I I looked up today. And this is from On Three. They, they, they reported this. Yeah, how much revenue Ohio State athletics generated in in twenty twenty three fiscal year? And I want to tell you, it's a it's a high number, and most of it's going to come from football.
1: And and just revenue, um, just
0: revenue.
1: Oh man. Oh, I took a. There was a class I took senior year that they gave me Penn State's numbers, but I don't remember the difference between their their revenue and profit. Ah, I'm gonna say, what six hundred, seven hundred million?
0: <laughs> You're way over. <laughs> I, I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid. I had two hundred seventy nine million. Gotcha. In revenue, they're just
1: they're just so crazy
0: at at Ohio yep. State. It, it's 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 yeah.
1: it's tough to to imagine.
0: There's the other number I wanted to bring up. I I forget who reported this, but I, I it was thirteen million dollars to, to build their roster this off season and counting. They're still spending on uh, nil to keep the football roster going. You know what the reason I found that number interesting? How come you might have been there? You might have been there a couple a couple summers ago. That Franklin was doing a, an outdoor press conference that day to talk about whatever, and it was. I think the, the freshmen from the year before were available for the first time. So we all went down to see the freshmen. And that was, it was at that point that Ryan Day said something about how, how much money they felt they needed to keep their roster together. And Franklin was asked about it. And I think everybody thought that James was going to say, oh, that's a ridiculous amount of money. And then James said, well, whatever the number is for them, it's, for, it's that much or more for us. And the number was $13 million. Wow. And that's what they spent this year to keep their roster together. And by keeping their roster together, here's what they did. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I know what he wants me to wax poetic about what, what Ohio State did in the transfer portal, but here's what Ohio State did in the transfer portal. They bring in Quinshawn Judkins, Peach Bowl hero, Quinshawn Judkins from, from, from Mississippi comes in and he's going to be one of the Ohio State running backs this year. The Alabama job opens up. Kalen DeBoer comes in. All those guys hit the, Hit the transfer portal. Freshman safety Caleb Downs goes in. He immediately commits to Ohio State. He had 113 tackles last year. Seth McLaughlin, the starting center at, at Alabama, he enters the portal. He goes to Ohio State. Will Howard, the quarterback from Kansas State, one of the best quarterbacks on the on the free agent market this year, and I'm going to keep calling it the free agent market because that's what it is. <laughs> Will Howard goes to Ohio State. And then my favorite. Alabama's five-star quarterback out of their recruiting class for this year, this cycle, their their recruiting class. Julian saying he commits to Ohio state. He immediately enters the portal and goes to Ohio state where they already have Aaron Noland, who was the fourth or fifth, depending on who you look at rated quarterback in the country. Julian saying is, is one or two, depending on, uh, on who's doing the rankings. And that's not to mention Ohio state spent big to keep, the guys who could have gone to the NFL at Ohio State. So imagine what they spent to keep Denzel Burke, who was going to be a first or second round pick. Easy. And they keep Denzel Burke. They keep Travion Henderson. If you're looking to save a couple of NIL bucks, you would think, ah, Travion, if you want to go, go ahead. We have Quinchon Judkins. But no, Travion Henderson, he's back. Egbuka's back. Tyleek Williams is back. Tui Tuimoloao is back as well. They did not like seeing Michigan win the national championship, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be honest with you. I have no problem with this in professional sports. I have no problem when the Yankees or the Cowboys or whoever—I uh, don't know who's spending big in the NFL now. There's a cap, so it doesn't matter. Or, or in or in basketball or whatever spends big on the you know, the same team spending big on the free agents every year. The Dodgers, whoever it is, Chelsea and in, in, in the Premier League, whoever it is, is spending gobs of money just to get anybody they could find who 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 might help and I have no problem with it in the professional ranks but it seems really weird to me to see it in college football and (laughs) and 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 I'm sure college sports at at other levels is is going to and other sports is going to see it too do you have an issue with what Ohio State's doing this should there be a stop put to this can there be a stop put to this and I, I I will be honest with you I don't know if I think it's right. I think part of what I liked about college sports was that stuff didn't happen. It, w- it made it completely different from pef- from professional sports. But with NIL the way it is, if you're pulling in two hundred eighty million dollars in revenue and your revenue driver is your football team, why aren't you paying these guys more? That they're bringing on and all this money for you. Ohio State's making tons more off of these guys than they're making off of Ohio State, and why not? Take nothing to chance here, and and bring in a Judkins, bring in any kind of quarterback you could find, bring in Downs, whatever. I I, I don't know really where I I stand on it yet. I I know it it feels awful that that this is going to happen in college sports, but I don't know if there's any way around it because college sports is is drifting ever closer to what professional sports is.
1: But well, I, before I before I answer your question, I did find out why I was so wildly off. I just went through my notes and I found <laughs> the um, because you were way yeah, off, Yeah. Not even <laughs> close. And, and you know, as soon as I said it, I was like, that's a <laughs> it's an absurd number. They're going to feel like I, such I failures the, uh, when they hear this out in, in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, the figure I got it confused with was how much revenue Penn State has brought in since Franklin was hired, uh, which is oh, a drastically really? different number. Yeah, it was. Um, since Franklin was hired, Penn State football has brought in like around seven hundred and forty million in revenue. Okay, it makes um, sense. Yeah, but again, that that's like ten
0: years versus yeah. versus, <laughs> versus versus one. one fiscal year with the and it is the whole athletic department. But yeah, it is. Mo- I mean, we know football is driving revenues in yeah. college college sports. That's why that's why they're absolutely right. Football should be governed in a completely different way because it's a completely different entity than all these other sports. Well, and
1: that's, and that's sort of, that's the biggest issue. And I I, I know that I feel a little bit like a broken record when I talk about this, because I I don't have any solutions. So, you know, one of of my pet peeves is is people who complain without offering solutions. And I just just have, I I don't know what what the answer is. You know, you, you look at Ohio State's roster building, and from an ethical standpoint, from a moral standpoint, I, you know, I don't think anything that they're doing is wrong, because it's, it's totally legal. It's, I mean, this is this is the system that that college football is operating in. I I, I do think it's pretty transparently not good for for really anybody involved. That you know, I mean, I guess it's good for Ohio State, but you know, I, I don't know that it's good for the players because there's only going to be one starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, now, I, I I know with with the sort of unlimited transfers, you can. You know, you can you can tap in, get your drip from that well and then move on. And I I don't know if that's the strategy, you know, try to compete for the starting job. And then if you don't get it, you know, pocket the cash and move on. But, you know, like you said, I I, I don't know that that's really in the spirit of what the transfer portal and NIL and all that stuff is. I I certainly have no problem with with donors ponying up and, you know, keeping some of these NFL guys back a year. There's there's nothing wrong. That's. Part of what NIL is for, I suppose, is to offset some of the, you know, allow some of these players to capitalize on the, the, the image and the public persona and the drawing power that they've created. Um, but at the same time, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you, <laughs> again, I, 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 I say this without any judgment because if I was Ohio state, I'd be doing it. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's clearly a strategy that you know if you if you feel like you've been embarrassed by your 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 closest rival sure throw everything at the wall and just just find what works but I mean do you need to be bringing in every every quarterback with any amount of buzz into the program I I don't know I I think that's one of the biggest knocks on baseball and how the MLB runs like you said is is the lack of parity or 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 you know, the lack of a system that encourages parity, potentially, you know, which is a whole other conversation, I guess. But, you know, it's it's college football has already been a a sport of blue bloods and the underlings. It has been for a long time. And, and you know, I, it's not that NIL in the transfer portal has created that system. But I I was hopeful when some of this stuff started to move that maybe maybe this would be something of a a ground evener you know if if you're a, a south carolina maybe you have a chance at getting a top quarterback recruit because you can pay to get one uh your your boosters can can pony up and send some money that way and it's not just going to be bama and ohio state and and lsu or whoever it may be texas bringing in the top guys um you know, certainly James Madison is never going to bring in a five-star quarterback, but you know maybe some of these second-tier programs can can move some money around and and, and even the playing field. But it, it hasn't appeared to go that way. It's appeared to potentially be the opposite.
0: Wasn't there a five-star kid last year who started at USC and entered the portal and ended up at Boise? I'm not sure. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. if he moved so quickly at this point. It's hard yeah. for me to keep track. Yeah, I just looked at Miss Malachi Nelson. He was he was the backup at USC last year, or the third stringer, I guess, and entered the portal. And you know he got some money because that's he committed to a bunch of different places. He ended up at Boise. I know Louisville is having a heck of an off season in the in the portal. Which I mean, when when you look at that, is you know that's not a program you would think would be active in the portal, but but they are. And and I think in that way it does even things up a little bit in the and in, in, the, in the way it was meant to or I don't want to say meant to but in the way it it would have been a, a real positive where you have these star players who in the past you, you bring in two quarterbacks they go to the same school one of them wins out the other one you never know who really how good he is because he he doesn't get the chance he, he, he stays behind that other guy for three four years then they're done and now you can transfer out. You can go anywhere. You can go to a place like Louisville, Boise. UNLV has gotten some guys, and it's a benefit to you. It's a benefit to the game in that regard. But when Ohio State does it, and they're just compiling players, and I get I get what you want, Caleb Downs. He's a great player. I, I get it. I and, and I think any school that had a couple of extra bucks laying around can convince him to go take it. Yeah, great. But I, I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that that's how you build a team, and I think that's really where I I come to. It's how you build the all star team. It's how you. It, it's it's a collection of, of of players who who are having good seasons or who did one thing in this system and 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 put up eye catching numbers doing this or that. But now you're bringing them in and, and putting them into one system. I I don't think it's necessarily a, a path to to winning. I mean, could they out talent everybody next year? Yes, they absolutely could. And there's enough of them. And I think that's why you bring in you know, the two guys I really think are the, are the best players they kept are, are Tyreek Williams and Denzel Burke. But that's why you keep guys like that and JTT and Ekbuka and Travion Henderson, because they know your system. But if you're Travion Henderson and you're losing carries consistently to Quinchon Judkins, is is that good for your, your team? Is that, is, is that- a, a, a problem you you have that you really could have avoided that that becomes a bigger issue than it might have been in the past. Yeah, I I I think that's potentially what it is. And, and vice versa too. I mean Quinchon Judkins didn't go there to sit behind Travion Henderson. And who knows what maybe Trevion Henderson's better than than Judkins. He might be. So I, I, I think it's tough, especially especially at the quarterback position. where you, And you kind of mentioned it, there's only one one quarterback and You know, you don't see teams play three or four. I I know Penn State fans want to see two or three guys play, but you you don't usually see... Good teams don't play two quarterbacks consistently. They play one. So, you know, you're bringing Will Howard in, and he's going to be conceivably your guy, but you now in this class have two five-star, four-star quarterback recruits in the same class now who didn't necessarily commit there knowing that the other guy was going to be there. You know, Aaron Nolan is saying, I, 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 I think this guy is interesting because he's one of those guys, I think if his name was Jack Smith, not many people would, <laughs> would care about him. His name is Aaron Nolan. He's a quarterback. He's fun. And I think Ohio State fans loved him. He was going to be the guy. And, and that, was the, that was the target in the recruiting class. They end up getting him and they were fine with that. But now you're bringing San and it's different it 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 just is now there's competition for that kid that might not have been there before and and, and he's saying all the right things as I said about I'm mean, I came here to compete i i want to compete, but do you do you see both of those guys being on Ohio state's roster at this time next year i don't i i i could see one of them being gone right back in the portal which everyone loses the battle and 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 i you know I don't know I, is that good for development where you got two guys who are veterans who are probably going to be in the mix for the starting job. And you have two guys who are going to be competing with with each other who are top, top prospects. And one of them could end up being the fourth quarterback. There's there's not enough reps there, but Hey, you're getting the, you're getting the NIL bag. I get it. And that's something that you want. And that's something that's important, but th- there is a potential there of setting yourself back. And, and I, and if you're Ohio state, is that a problem you're, you're inviting? And I, I mean, he's, you, you see it in the professional ranks, the, I guess the flow and the continuity and the chemistry of a team matters. And I, I think to a degree, if you're Ohio state, you mess with that in, in this way, when you're bringing in so much competition. And I, and I know what I sound like saying that you, you want competition, you, the competition is good, but you know, there's going to be guys who played last year and who started and played well, who aren't going to play this year as much as they want or at, at all. And there's guys who are coming in who had roles that they thought were realistic, and now they're not. And I, I know the, the attitude now is too bad, so sad, but will that cost you players? Yes. Will that affect the way you could use the portal in the future? Yes. And does the NIL money mean that much to these kids? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be okay with it as long as, as long as the money keeps coming in, but I don't know. I, and look, and I also think it's kind of short-sighted on some of these guys' parts, especially if you're going to be a top three round pick to take one year's worth of money from Ohio State when you could get a, a legitimate NFL contract. I I, I think that to me is, I don't, I don't want to say foolish because who knows what the status of their degrees are or anything like that. But I, I think, I think there's a downside. I think they take a risk. So I, I think I think it's going to be a very interesting experiment to follow this, this this fall. See how they number one come together as a team, and number two deal with the fact that their team right now doesn't look like it did a couple of months ago.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you unambiguously. There, both of those guys will not be on the roster this time next year. I mean, it's one or the other. It, I, it, yeah, it, it seems it's, unlikely. At, at it bat. doesn't make any sense, and 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 I think the. Thing Thing with the transfer portal and nil and everything like that is it's you brought up the word risk and i i think there's there's some merit and there's some positivity in in allowing people to assume risk um i i think that's one thing that's that's good about you know free society is you're able to take risks and you know if they pan out awesome you 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 hit the jackpot, and if it doesn't, well, you're you're welcome to to take another risk later and try again. You know, rather than being sort of confined into a decision you made a while ago. But at the same time, for every for every transfer like Will Levis that that moves on from Penn State, goes to Kentucky, and turns himself into a, a borderline first round quarterback, I mean, he he might start for the Titans next year. I right? I would I would imagine he'll probably start for the Titans next year. You know, he he wouldn't have done that as as the backup. Behind Sean Clifford for his career. That's that's just not how it would have gone. But you know that that that's a risk. That's that's certainly a risk. You for for every guy like that, you have a JT Daniels. You know, and I I know that there's some there's some extra variables there. It's it's not just the the I know he had injuries and you know you bounce around. But he he transferred what felt like a, a hundred thousand times. And at what point are are you? revoking the opportunity to develop within a program from yourself i mean you mentioned the the massive advantage that players have by enrolling early at at college football programs that's seven months of development that's that's over half a year of college level development and and, and chemistry building with players you're going to play with and learning the system and all these things that that set you up to to perform at a high level and and get yourself on tape and and you know even if you're not playing like a Luke Reynolds or whoever you're, you're laying the groundwork for eventually getting all of that positivity on tape. You know, you're, 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 you know, you're sort of anchoring yourself in in one place and, and just, you know, rather than an inch deep, a mile wide, you're going a mile deep at, at one place. And, and I'm not saying that that's that's the only way to do it because as I pointed out, uh, Will Levis is, is much better off for having transferred. You know, you look at Spencer Rattler transferring out of Oklahoma. I, you know that that him moving to South Carolina wasn't, you know, the the greatest thing ever. But he he wasn't going to succeed as a as a depth player at Oklahoma. I, I all of that makes sense, but I, I don't know. I'm with you. I I feel like it's short sighted on, on the individuals part. You know, if if and like you said, I I don't know what went into the decisions of you know maybe they didn't know that that this was what was happening as they announced their transfer to Ohio state. But, you know, if you're, if you're saying it and you lose the, I'm just picking on him. It, 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 could, it could
0: be whoever pick, pick whichever guy in the room you want. But I think he's a good example because he, he goes in there and knows what the situation is. Uh, it, it, yeah. The other, the other side of it is, is there, no one doesn't. Right. Well, and, 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 you know, if you're, if you're saying,
1: you you go in, you lose that job. Arguably set yourself back a year, especially as a quarterback. It's one thing if you're a running back, you know, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the importance of running backs or anything, but you only have to focus on so many things as a running back as a quarterback. You're, you're the leader of the offense. You're, you're reading everything. You're if, if, if you're, you know, at the top of your position, if you're, you know, if you, if you have, have the system unlocked, you're changing plays, you're changing protections, you're, you're reading defenses, all this stuff. And, if you're saying and you lose to Nolan, you now have you you've now spent this last year learning some skills, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to go relearn a, a playbook. You're gonna have to relearn guys because because he's not gonna stay if he doesn't win, and and you know if you're Ohio State, I guess you you know you you don't necessarily care what happens to him after he leaves. I think that's a you know it's a a poor way to to run your 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 relationship led business, but you know, whatever it may be, you don't care what he does when he leaves. But you know, I, I also think Ohio state takes an institutional risk at this. I, I I don't know that this is a bad move because as I said, I, I I don't have any moral qualms with it. There's nothing preventing this from happening. Um, You know, and, and hypothetically you're going to find the best guy with, with five stars at every position transferred in, recruited in whatever it may be brought back from the draft. you're you're hypothetically going to find the best fits and the best talents at those positions. But at the same time, it's a little bit of an avalanche at some point, you're going to hit a wall where, as I said, with the early enrollees backing up with Penn state, eventually, even if you're talented enough, you're not going to see the field just because of the backlog of early enrollees that have come. It's just, it's just numbers. If you're Ohio state, if you're, if you're bringing transfers in every year, I, I, at, at what point are you a, a high schooler that just goes? I'm 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 not going to commit there because you're just going to bring somebody in to take my spot. I'll go somewhere else and be the guy that transfers in. And 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 I don't know. I, I it could work, but and I guess that's that's the point of the risk is you take it. Michigan just won the Big Ten. They they've embarrassed you. They won the national championship. You got to do something to try to compete. But I I think it's a risk, and and I I don't know that
0: in the long term it
1: pays off. You
0: no, know, you look at. How it works in baseball, and I and I will focus on baseball because that's what I know. The Yankees spent a lot of money, the Mets spent a lot of money, the Dodgers spent a lot of money, and they don't win the championship. None of them have won the big prize. And and I, I guess 2020 the Dodgers did, but the others did not. They they, they spent a lot of money and, and didn't get there. And there's other teams certainly that that fit in that mold, but but you you're gonna have teams Doing that, I guess, in college football, just kind of hitting the portal and getting whatever you can get out of there, and and adding as much competition to the rooms as, as you can, and and just kind of saying, all right, if if you don't like it, go. You can you can go now, and 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 that's fine. But you're gonna you're gonna see some teams doing it the way that the that the Rays do it, or or, or the ways that the Brewers do it. You know, the, the, where they develop their guys, and and the Braves to a certain certain degree, developing guys through their system and, and, and bringing them up and, and kind of trying to learn their roles as they, as they develop them o- over the years. And I think that's kind of what Penn state is doing. You know, they, they got six guys out of the portal this year, but the, the kind of like the, the, maybe the biggest guys they got out of the portal were, were the co- couple of guys they kept along the, along the defensive line where, you know, Izzard's back and uh, Devon Elise is back and, and Beeman is back, and, and those guys are expected to make a a big contribution this year. But if they leave, you got to replace them somehow. So it's it, they're kind of portal acquisitions anyway. They're just their own portal acquisitions out of out of their own system. So so I, I think Penn State and, and Ohio State have gone at this completely differently in the w- w- with the portal. Where I'm not you know Penn State got some guys for sure, but they didn't get the high impact you know high high attention getting guys at Ohio State. And yeah, I, I think that it, 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 this could backfire on on Ryan Day because, you know, you, you do have this this scenario where one of those quarterbacks is going to leave. And it, that's that's inevitable. And it's going to be a, a tough sell to everybody else. And, and honestly, if you're whoever's going to be coaching Michigan or James Franklin and you're recruiting a quarterback against Ohio State, I'm going to tell him that quarterback, Hey, you have a better chance to play here. They, they just have, they're going to give you more money, but you're going to have a better chance to play here. And I, and I think as time goes on and those, you start to get some data on that, you you could, uh, you could recruit against it. I, I think, but, but yeah, I, I, I think to me, it just comes down to, is, is that always going to be the best way to, to build a team? Just go out and, and get all the, all the best players, all the guys with all the numbers, all the stats, the most expensive ones, whatever you want to define it as, and, and, and do it that way. Because, you know, you, you look at the, the schools who do it, they're not necessarily national championship contenders. You know, Michigan didn't do that. Uh, Georgia doesn't seem to do that. They get they get their share, but everybody gets their their share. Ohio State's getting everybody's share, and and it'll be fascinating to see if they can they could move this forward in a, in, a, in a positive way.
1: Well, and I think college football is different too. In and and maybe I just view it as such because I. You know, I I am young, but I still remember the time before the transfer portal and the NIL and, All those and even years the college ago. football playoff. Yeah, yeah, You know, my my kids won't remember that stuff, but <laughs> you know, a, a successful college football season wasn't always winning the national championship. You know, in the NFL, I, I understand mortgaging your future to go win a Super Bowl. You know, when when the Rams just traded away every pick they had and then they won a Super Bowl. You know it super bowls are fleeting it's it's they're hard to win you know i i get pushing all your chips in winning that game and saying well back to the drawing board we'll we'll figure out a way to get back because we we got that one in college football i don't know that that's the same i i and and, and maybe maybe incentives have changed with the playoff and everything like that but i i i i don't know i, I especially if you're the transfer portal is not created equal for for players based on position. I mean, if you're a quarterback, I would think that you're, you're better off putting yourself on tape somewhere for four years, as opposed to trying to jump around and find the best platform. Cause if you're a quarterback, they will find you. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league and he went to Texas tech. Um, you know, Texas tech isn't nobody, but it's not a blue blood, but then also I it's clearly, it's not created equal when it comes to the programs either. And I don't know, it's still too early in the transfer portal's lifespan to see what the repercussions will be for pushing all the chips in. Who knows? Maybe maybe this works for Ohio State, maybe they have the the best season in college football history and they're just going to keep doing this every year. May, who knows? Maybe that's maybe maybe talent just wins in college football no matter what. But you know, with, with the way that you see, you know, Alabama beating Georgia to to punch their ticket to the playoff. Or or Michael Penix, who, you know, it, it has a million knee injuries, you know, staying healthy all season and elevating the people around him, pushing Washington to a national championship game. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know that that the all in strategy is going to work. I don't know that it's going to work in the long term. And like you said, if Ryan Day got it, somebody's in his ear telling him you got to try something. You know, sure, you go all in now, but how much time does that buy you if it if it backfires?
0: Well, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and that's fortuitous because we are out of time on this week's episode of the Penn State Football Podcast. Sam Freeman, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. We'll return next week with, I'm sure, plenty to talk about. Jim Harbaugh, maybe a little Bill O'Brien. And next week, we'll start an off-season project. The 10th season of Penn State football under head coach James Franklin ended last season, and we will be doing our all-James Franklin team from the past 10 years for Penn State. All all the guys who played for James, we'll we'll talk about the best ones at at each position who we take to to kind of fill out that roster. We'll we'll be doing that over, not just next week, Uh, we're doing it a little at a time, kind of leading into spring practice. So we'll have plenty to talk about as Penn State heads into the early, early, early stages of the 2024 season. Until then, this is Donnie Collins for Sam Freeman. Thank you so much for joining us this week we always appreciate you listening and hope you'll be back again next week until then take care of yourselves and we'll talk soon